Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie G and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, December 20th, 2018, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today, we are reading from the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in the forward to the second edition, page XVI, starting with the first paragraph prior to his journey, reading through two paragraphs, ending with vital to permanent recovery, and comments are welcome on both. Today's readers are The 12 Steps, Jackie M., The 12 Traditions, Esther F., and readers of the text are Catherine C., Deb W., and Naomi B. The share ID for Wednesday, December 19th is the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, 12,318, and the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time Meeting, 12,319. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no positions on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Jackie M. to please read the 12 steps of OA. Jackie? Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Jackie M. from New York, recovered. Uh, The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, 
Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Jackie. I will now ask Esther F. to please read the 12 traditions. Esther? Good morning. This is Esther F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God is who may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be full ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Esther. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you please keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we will resume our study of the big book. We are in the forward to the second edition on page XVI, starting with the first paragraph prior to his recovery. We are reading through two paragraphs ending with vital to permanent recovery and comments are welcome on both. I will now ask Catherine C to please begin reading. Catherine. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, Vision. My name is Catherine C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Virginia. Prior to his journey to Akron, the broker had worked hard with many alcoholics on the theory that only an alcoholic could help an alcoholic. But he had been 
but he had succeeded only in keeping sober himself. The broker had gone to Akron on a business venture which had collapsed, leaving him greatly in fear that he might start drinking again. He suddenly realized that in order to save himself, he must carry his message to another alcoholic. That alcoholic turned out to be the Akron physician. This physician had repeatedly tried spiritual means to resolve his alcoholic dilemma, but had failed. But when the broker gave him Dr. Silkworth's description of alcoholism and its hopelessness, the physician began to pursue the spiritual remedy for his malady with a willingness he had never before been able to muster. He sobered never to drink again up to the moment of his death in 1950. This second seemed to prove that one alcoholic could affect another as no alcoholic could. It also indicated that strenuous work, one alcoholic with another, was vital to permanent recovery. Hi, I'm Catherine. I'm a compulsive overeater from Virginia. Um, so there's a lot in here. And the first thing that sticks out to me is, but when the broker gave him Dr. Silkworth's description of alcoholism and its hopelessness, and for me, I've been coming to, I've seen therapists, I've gone to treatment centers, I've gone in and out of OA. And it wasn't until I heard the simple description, once I start, I can't stop. And once stopped, I cannot help but start again on this line. I've been listening to this line for a few weeks, and someone said that line, and it just hit me. It hit me that I am screwed. <laughs> it hit me that... If I don't take this thing and run like my hair is on fire, I'm screwed. And so that's the first part that stuck out to me. And then the second is this promise that it also indicated that strenuous work, one alcoholic with another, was vital to permanent recovery. That's a pretty big promise. I, for the rest of my life, if I do this work, I can have permanent, so lasting, enduring, indefinite, perpetual recovery. I never have to go back to that miserable, miserable existence of the food. Um, and it's, if I do this work and I work with others, and why is that? Well, the root problem, the, my root problem is my self-centeredness and self-absorption. And when I get out of me and focus on you, there's a big chance I'm not going to pick up and eat. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Catherine. Okay, so before we begin our sharing, <coughs> excuse me, I want to remind us all where we are. We are in the forward to the second edition, page XVI, starting, starting with the first paragraph prior to his journey. We're reading through two paragraphs, ending with vital to permanent recovery. So if you'd like to share, please say your name once, and I'll write you down. Tina, Angel. Angel. Barbara, All right, e. so hang on. You know what? So give me one second. The people I have, because there's been no order, <laughs> because we all say our name at once, which is great. I'm not condemning. So the people I have, because my ears are a little broken, are Tina S., Kim G., and Lance L. So let's do three more. Harlan, Harlan Riva, and one more. Okay, so guys, we have our, my friends, we have our first lineup. 
And I apologize, my ears can be very broken. So the lineup I have to begin our reading is Tina S., Kim G., Lance L., Harlan G., Reva P., and Anini M. Now, here's what we're going to try. We did this last week, and it worked well. If I can't hear you, I'm going to let you know right away. Otherwise, please go ahead with your sharing. So let's get started with Tina S. Please go ahead. Thanks so much, Katie, for your service. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. Wow. Some great paragraphs here. And thanks so much for the share. It was wonderful. And I'm glad I'm on the same page and belong right where, I'm, where I am today. And, you know, I love this part where he says he suddenly realized that in order to save himself, he must carry his message to, it, to another alcoholic. And I like to say the message of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, one of the things that I know is early on, uh, the reason I did this because it said in order to save myself, you know, all for selfish reasons. You know, a sponsor kept saying, in order to keep this, you got to give it away. And I'm like, da 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 whatever. So I'll do that. You know, and over time and over transformation and the process and, and a God of my understanding, I was transformed to really not only give this thing away so I could save myself, but give this thing away because I truly want you to have the same thing that I have an opportunity to have one day at a time. And that is freedom from the obsession to live face down in the food so that I can live happy, joyous, and free, which God promises on page 133 of this big book, you know. And it also says that, you know, the physician repeatedly tried spiritual means to resolve his alcoholic dilemma, but had failed. You know, and so what it tells me here that you know, it seemed to prove that one alcoholic could affect another as no non-alcoholic could. You know, and that was the truth for me. You know, many people tried to tell me what, what I needed to do in my food addiction or what I needed to do to be happy in my life. But until they came from the same place with the same problem, their, their solution didn't work for me because, you know, they, they didn't really understand my, my dilemma. And my dilemma for sure, is lack of power. And so through the process of coming to meetings, listening to a sponsor, doing what she said, not just listening to what she said, but actually doing what she said because I wanted what she had, I had that opportunity one day at a time. And some great stuff. I'm looking forward to the shares. Thanks so much, and I'll pass. Thank you, Tina S. We will now have Kim G, followed by Lance L. Kim, please go ahead. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And you know, I, I, I vibrate when I when I hear this line. It is also indicated that strenuous work, one alcoholic with another, was vital to permanent recovery. You know, I, I just want to hopefully get some people to think today. You know. This is talking about one-on-one, but I love the comparison of this one-on-one with also our fifth tradition, that each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. So I want to look at a couple different things. First of all, one-on-one. What am I doing? What am I doing for the still suffering? You know, for me, um, I think sometimes OA focuses too much on the newcomer who they want to get someone outside the rooms to come in versus the people who are in the rooms like me for decades that are relapsing. What are we doing for the people in the rooms who are still suffering? You know, phone calls, biggest complaint I get is don't return phone calls. Am I returning phone calls? You know, am I coming to meetings late, leaving early? You know, when I, after a meeting, am I only talking to my friends? Am I ignoring the still suffering? Maybe I'm just going to phone meetings and I'm not going to face-to-face meetings. 
you know, for me personally, I have to look at the fact that I'm only going to big book meetings and preaching to the choir where there's meetings that don't have a message that need recovered people. You know, on a meeting level, you know, are you, uh, do you have meetings in my area? Most of our meetings don't even have abstinence requirements to lead the meeting. You know, the format. You know, often I, my experience, again, I walk into an OA meeting 10 minutes late. I think I'm in junior therapy. I don't even hear anything about the 12 steps. You know, how can my meeting support the solution versus disease sharing? You know, is there, is there a place for the newcomer to come? Is there beginner's meetings? Is there meetings where formats where there's areas where we can have people helped? On my inner group, you know, for me, again, often I find my inner group is more concerned about fundraising than carrying the message of recovery. Um, workshops, are the workshops facing recovery? Or are we having these like body image and boundaries things? Are we focused on the steps? You know, these are the things I think about because not only one-on-one, but how is OA as a whole carrying the message? You know, in 1990, there was a census and we had 150,000 members. In 2014, we had a census and there's 60,000 60, people. So how are we carrying this message? Am I doing that? Because the only way I'm going to experience permanent recovery is by carrying this message one-on-one. Is my, am I doing that as an individual? Is my meeting doing that? Is my inner group doing that? And I just want to end with this. I love the OA Responsibility Pledge. You know, in, the steps are in we. The traditions are in we. But the OA Responsibility Pledge is an I. So I just want to end with the OA Responsibility Pledge. Always to extend the heart and hand of OA to all who share my compulsion. For this, I am responsible. So let's all think about that today. What can I do as an individual member to help the Sacred Fellowship of OA? And with that, I pass. I apologize. I was muted. <laughs> Thank you, Kim G. We will now have Lance L. followed by Harlan G. Lance, please go ahead. Good morning, everyone. My name is Lance L. I'm a recovered compulsive eater from uh, California. I woke up with the problem. I did this morning. Every single morning, I wake up with the problem. Uh, the theory that the doctor talks about is, is a twofold illness. You know, it's mental and it's physical. You know, my body has a memory of the alcoholic foods. My, my mind is always ticking in that direction as well. <clears throat> the uh, twofold illness, you know, we have a solution. The solution is found in the book. But what's wonderful is the so- solution has a byproduct. And this byproduct is that we help others, number one. And number two, we stay sober ourselves. So a twofold illness with the solution found in this book equals a twofold byproduct. And it's amazing because I've always been raised to help others. I, I love helping others. You know, even, even in my alcoholism, I love to help others. I just had nothing good to share. You know, I only had the problem. And if I wake up every single morning with the problem, it is vital for me. It's like critical for my survival and the survival of others that I have permanent recovery. You know, they talk about Dr. Bob here. 
Well, he, you know, later in the book, it, it talks about he had a spree that ended all sprees. And, and once he woke up from that, he grabbed the bull by the horns and took action in helping, took action in facing his problems. You know, fear keeps me away from my problems. Fear keeps me in the deep, dark dungeons of my mind where I think that I'm not a part of life. I'm not a part of society. Waking up with a problem happens every morning. So what I do at night, it helps me for the day that I just went through. But in the morning, I need to deal with the twofold illness once again. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Lance. And we will now have Harlan G. followed by Reva P. Harlan, please go ahead. Thank you, Katie, and, and thank you very much to uh, Gabriella for lending us your mom this morning. And I also want to thank Team Thursday. It says here in the second paragraph that this physician had repeatedly tried spiritual means to resolve his alcoholic dilemma, but had failed. Dr. Bob was in the Oxford group longer than Bill Wilson. In February of 1935, after Harvey Firestone from the Firestone Tire Company had brought ministers in the Oxford group through Akron in helps of helping his drunken son, at one of those prayer sessions, they prayed for Dr. Bob. The whole focus of one session on a Sunday in February was to pray for Dr. Bob that he find some answer to his alcoholism. Now, Dr. Bob kept right on drinking. He thought the whole thing was a joke. And when it says here that he had repeatedly tried spiritual means to resolve his alcoholic dilemma but had failed, because they had asked God for a solution for Dr. Bob's drinking, when Bill Wilson called Henrietta Cyberling, Cyberling's own Goodyear, he called Henrietta Cyberling at the insistence of Reverend Tunks, who he found through that directory at the Mayflower Hotel in Akron in May of 1935. Tunks put him in, char in touch with Henrietta Cyberling, and Cyberling said, come on over. She absolutely expected him. So it wasn't like she was thinking, this guy, who's this guy? What's this guy? What does he want? What? Who is this guy from New York? She just expected it because she was a woman of faith. So her reaction is, yes, we've been expecting you. Come on over. And they invited, they invited Dr. Bob and Ann over, and Ann Smith said to Henrietta, Hen, we can't make the visit today. This is Saturday, the 11th of May, because Dr. Bob brought me a potted plant, and he's potted underneath the table. But the next day they made the visit, and Dr. Bob extracted a promise from his wife that they wouldn't stay more than 15 minutes. Well, they were up there in the Cyberling Gatehouse for five hours because Dr. Bob had never heard anything like this before. Being a proctologist, a doctor, he had never before heard of the physical allergy. He had never before heard of the twist of the mind. And knowing the solution and accepting the hopelessness that was there, he had one more drunk left in him in Atlantic City, New Jersey, 
But after that, June 10th, 1935, understanding and accepting the problem and working on the solution, he had permanent Time, recovery. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Perfect, Harlan. Thank you. We'll now have Reva P. followed by Edini M. Reva, please go ahead. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. What struck me this morning is how one, only one alcoholic um, can help another alcoholic. And how can I help the other alcoholic? It's telling me in these paragraphs I need to understand and have a description of the problem and the seemingly hopeless nature. I need to understand the twofold nature of the body and mind. Um, and I also need to know that the solution is spiritual. It's not about getting another diet. And the business of only an alcoholic helping another alcoholic, for me, after talking to professionals who had no idea what it was like living in my head and doing what I did with food, it was an intellectual exercise and their help with me. When I was able to sit across from somebody who was A, putting down foods that used to kill them, that baffled me that anybody could even do that. And then more so that people who think like I think and behave like I behave aren't doing it anymore. That is just so powerful and it continues to inspire me and motivate me um, to keep doing this thing. And the thing that struck me too is, you know, he, here he works with all these people and nobody gets sober, nobody recovers, but he stays sober. And it mentions more than once, I must, I must, must, must keep carrying this message to the next alcoholic. And why am I doing that? I'm usually so outcome-oriented. And I think this is reminding me that it's not about getting all those other people recovered. If that happens, that's wonderful. I can only do what I can do. I can only carry the message. But I need to hear this stuff over and over again. I need to remember who I am with food, what I do, um, and, and where my thinking goes if I'm not on the beam and working the steps. And the last thing I wanted to share is about all the action. You know, it's not a spiritual remedy where we um, sit still and just pray. There's a lot of action steps. There's 12 steps, not just one 11th step. Um, and we keep taking the action. We keep hanging in there. I keep hanging in there. Sometimes, a lot of times, I don't get the results I want, um, but we just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. Um, and that's what keeps me well. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva. And we'll now have Edini M. And then we'll open up our line again. Edini, please go ahead. Thank you so much, Katie, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Edini, and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Always giving credit where credit is due. He suddenly realized in order to save himself, he must carry the message to another alcoholic. This sharing and identifying our stories is the spark, that connection that I am not alone. And at the same time, it unites us. It gives us strength and power as we are on this line. 
We are all a link of a divine chain that cannot be broken. Just as long as I'm linked to another, then I am powerful through that divine link because it is God that resides in me, that resides in you, placing principles before personalities. We carry the gift. It's a message of God. Because we are carrying, we are being carried by God. He is doing for me what I could never do for myself. I carry a message of what is possible, no longer being a prisoner of my thoughts or a bondage of self. In order for me to hold on to what I have, thank you, God, a true miracle, a metamorphosis, I must give it away. When temptation arises in me, you know, I can't control that thought that comes in, but I certainly can control that second thought of choice. Do I entertain that thought or do I discard it? And since God has a hold on me, then I have his power and self-control to do the right thing. So it's this connection that has no destination, but a continual awakening and a deepening path of recovery. Just as long as I continue to strengthen that connection with God and others, by a continual living in the steps, being open, receiving, and giving over and over and over again. And so when we're connected, we have that intuitive thought that suddenly comes and guides us. We have that perseverance to do the right thing despite our difficulties that we're feeling. But if we're not connected, then we have that sudden thought of temptation, then that has a hold on us. And it all starts with honesty in our thinking, weighing and measuring our thoughts, being connected with one another and having orderly direction in our lives. God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves and living a life beyond our imagination. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Edini. So let's just take a look at where we're reading today. We are in the forward to the second edition. We are on page XVI, starting with the first paragraph prior to his journey, through two paragraphs ending with vital to permanent recovery. And please say your name if you'd like to share. So let me just put a pause because I only heard one name. <laughs> so the one name I heard was Madam. So who else? Siobhan C. Anne Marie M. Lay out Richard B. Okay, hang on one second. I got a lot more names here. Anita B. Okay. Siobhan C. Okay, so I have right now Matt M., Barbara E., Leah M., Larry K., Siobhan C. and Anita B. So that's six. So we're going to have to stop right there and hopefully we'll pick you up, Nessa, on the other side. But that's our list for now. And just a reminder to everyone, if I can't hear you, I'm going to let you know right away. Otherwise, please continue your share. So let's start with Matt M. Matt, please go ahead. Can you hear me, Katie? I'll let you know. I can hear you loud and clear. Please go ahead. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, good morning, everyone. Thank you, KG, for your service. I woke up a little late, so I'm glad I gave a down meeting. Um, I'm really grateful that that, that um, Dr. Bob and and Bill did that they did what they did and started to see other alcoholics because if they didn't, they would have started drinking again. 
and then if they started to drink and all would have been lost anyhow, you know. Um, Without Bill W., I wouldn't be here, and without Dr. Bob, I wouldn't be here. You know, it's grateful that God saw fit to have these men um, keep going through doing the work to get into recovery, to get recovered, and have them help others because I'd be dead by now. I would have died of of, of an um, alcoholic death with food, of a heart attack, of uh, some other condition. of the, Obesity would have been um, the issue, but it would have said diabetes, would have said heart attack, would have said some other condition, but I, I would have killed myself like as Holland says, death by Dorito. And um, my life is much more, worth much more than that. I have an ability to reach others, and I have ability. My story is unique to myself, and I'm grateful that, you know, I want to be able to do that eventually, sponsor and be able to help people by just explaining what I, I did for myself and what, what worked for me and what doesn't work for me and not preaching and not proselytizing, just being there for other people for the simple sake of, sake, for the simple sake of being there for others. Sorry, I'm slurring my words a little. And I'm grateful that, you know, I have the opportunity to do that soon. I will be sponsoring soon. I'm looking forward to that because I want to give back what I've really been given. I've been given so many wonderful gifts of scholarship to go to the convention last year, uh, gifts of literature, gifts of time. My friend, A friend of mine let me live in her house for over a year when I was homeless. You know, I've been given a lot of blessings, and, you know, it's time to start paying the piper. It's time to give back, because if I don't give back, I'm going to eat again, because I cannot just sit there and take, take, take from others and not give back, because that means I'm just a selfish person, and that means that, you know, everything that I've learned was for nothing, you know. So I'm very grateful I have the opportunity and the willingness to want to give back and to be there for others. There's so many others have been there for me with that I passed. Thank you. Thank you, Madam. And we'll now have Barbara E. followed by Leah M. Barbara, please go ahead. Thank you, Katie. And I won't even ask the question. Um, what struck out, what struck me as being so important was that this uh, Akron business adventure had failed, and he, Bill suddenly had this epiphany that in order to save himself. He had to carry the message to another alcoholic. And, of course, we know that alcoholic turned out to be the Akron physician. And I think that's made all the difference for me personally, working with others, carrying the message forward. And in that second paragraph, the strenuous work, one alcoholic with another was vital to permanent, vital to permanent recovery. Viola has a, a life, an energy, a sparkle, a capacity for survival. It's meaningful. It gives us energy and strength. And that's what's given me the energy and strength to go on from day to day, working with others, learning from them, sharing their challenges, their successes, their hopes, has what kept me abstinent. And after all, I am a selfish person. Why did I come into OA? I didn't come over into OA to be recovered, to be transformed. I came, yes, I did. I came in to lose the 137 pounds that I put on over and over again and failed miserably at it. And when I read the unity prayer, I put my hand in yours and yours for me is God. And together we can do what we could never do alone. I do feel that there's no set, no longer a sense of hopelessness for me. 
and I don't have to trust upon my own unsteady willpower because my willpower sucks. I say, I will eat it, I will eat it, I will eat it, and that's that. But now I'm depending on a power outside of myself, and we are all together now. Here we come with the the fellowship and our higher powers, be they the spirit of the universe, the spirit of good, God, uh, Buddha, it does not matter. At the top of the mountain, the air is pure. And whatever road we take, we all aspire to the same thing. Peace, joy, love, tolerance, and abstinence, of course. But when we reach out our hands, mine for yours, and up to God, we get the strength. At least I feel it radiating through me that I could never find alone. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day, I pass. Thank you, Barbara. And we will now have Leah M. Leah, please go ahead. Thank you so much for your service, Katie. I don't know about the rest of you, <laughs> but I never wanted to be a compulsive overeater. Um, and this may surprise you, but my life goal was not to be here uh, every day behind the scenes helping this meeting. Um, on the phone speaking to you on occasion um, on this meeting. You know, I had other thoughts for myself. I had other dreams for myself, that is for sure. Um, But this disease wrapped its talons around my neck at a very young age. Um, I didn't realize the depth of the disease to which it would take me. I didn't realize what I was up against, um, and I ended up um, mangled (laughs) and bloodied. Um, I sat across uh, from the, the table from someone, you know, with someone in whom the problem had been solved, and he brought me through this text over the course of time um, to the path of freedom. And, you know, at the end, at the conclusion of that time with him, um, you know, he let me know very clearly that you owe, you owe. You owe, Leah. (laughs) You owe for this freedom. You have a responsibility. You have an obligation. You have a duty. And, of course, you'll experience the pleasure of carrying this message. And um, I have done so um, to the best of my ability, um, to the point of exhaustion over the course of three decades. Um, Even though I have a message to carry, it turns out that carrying this message um, has been one of the most significant things that I do. I know that I'm giving of myself without hope of reward or gain. And even though, you know, as we read the text, if the work, including step 12, sounds like a lifetime occupation, you are absolutely right. (laughs) So was my disease. My disease was a lifetime occupation. So uh, carrying the message and doing what I need to do, uh, whether that means getting up at four in the morning to work with other people and staying up to midnight, which is what my schedule is all about. For me, both compulsive overeating and recovery have been progressive conditions, compulsively overeating, progressively downward into hell, recovery uh, progressively upward, but my freedom isn't free. And um, I always have to keep in mind when I work with people one-on-one or in a meeting that although I am sharing the light, um, shining the light on the path that led me to freedom, I am not the light. I am not the light. And that goes, again, one-on-one or in a meeting. I'm not the light. I've just been, you know, uh, 
had a spiritual awakening that's changed me. So now I have the capacity to the best of my ability to live my life as an expression of God's will. Because if selfishness and self-seeding is a root of my problem, then obviously unselfishness is a root of my solution. And so I'm grateful for this opportunity that I've had. Um, and just wrapping up, you know, I have a lot of relationships in my life. Some of you know I have 12 children. Some of them are married. I have all those relationships. And yet, and yet, and yet, each and every day I need to turn to a relationship to help someone else the way someone lent their hand to help me. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. We'll now have Larry K. followed by Siobhan C. Larry, please go ahead. Good morning, Katie. Thanks for your service. Um, Dr. Bob, he was highly skeptical of the solution. Um, he was a he was a medical doctor. He was trained in the you know scientific methodology of physical diagnosis and treatment, and and so like so many of us until he was beaten into a state of reasonableness by the, you know, by the alcohol, by the disease and all its ramifications, all its consequences, he remained highly skeptical uh, of a spiritual solution. And if we distinguish between, you know, a cynic and a skeptic and a person who, who is transformed to one of a person of faith and belief, a skeptic, is a person who questions everything, including his own conclusions, all the time. Now, now he or she craves knowledge and understanding. So, you know, we, we love bumping into people and ideas that, you know, may challenge some assumptions. But a skeptic views disagreements usually as opportunities to refine their knowledge and understand more today than, you know, than we did last night. And I came in like, Dr. Bob, I can relate to that because I compartmentalize. I put, you know, faith and belief over here in this nice tight, you know, box. And then I, I looked at, you know, I tried to, I think I was looking for a, a scientific way out. There was no scientific way out for a person like me. It had to be a complete spiritual transformation. I think when, when Dr. Bob was ready he immediately embarked on this practical program of action. He picked up the baton, and despite his skepticism, his intellectualism, despite whatever beliefs he had, he was open to a solution because the disease told him whatever he was doing wasn't working. So he was, he was open to trying something different. And the rest is history. The guy became... Not only did he not take a drink, now he had some cravings for a time, but not only did he not take a drink for the rest of his life, this guy became a real force. I think the God of his understanding made him into a real force for good, and he helped a lot of people, and he was not perfect. No human being is. But he did a lot of good, and he helped a lot of people, and probably professionals and other people that had the same cynicism and skepticism that this was even possible. And that's where I came in. And now my belief and my faith, I know this happened. You couldn't, you couldn't prevent me from believing what happened to me, but I'm not here to convince you of anything, just to share my experience. You pick up this baton, you pick up this practical program of action, you can have this thing, prove that it's, prove that it's not real, but, but at least give yourself a chance to follow the program as it's laid out and do it in sequence and do it quickly and do it with the food being down. 
100%. If you can do it another way, I haven't met that person yet, but if you can do it another way, God bless you. We have no monopoly, but I haven't met that person yet. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. <clears throat> we will now have Siobhan C. followed by Anita B. Siobhan, please go ahead. Hi, good morning, family. This is Siobhan C. Uh, in Santa Monica today in Colorado from tomorrow until January 6th in New York from the 6th to the 12th and at the early birthday party in person from the 12th to the 20th. Um, uh, I'm assuming I can be heard. Um, I'm not hearing otherwise. Um, so Dr. Silkworth, just, it said, you know, he basically the physician failed until the broker gave Dr. Silkworth's description of alcoholism and, and its hope, hopelessness. And that's really important. And we learned that on page 43, um, that in the last paragraph on page 43, it says once more in the chapter about alcoholism, more about alcoholism, page 43, last paragraph. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink, except in rare few cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. And if we notice the broker, what he went into was actually fear that he might start drinking again, one of our character defects. Fear is completely 86 excise in a proper fifth step. We know that from page 73, if you're relapsing, that it says, you know, they only thought they lost their egoism. They only thought they lost their fear, but they had not learned enough of humility fear. So if you've done a proper fifth step, it's done once, it's done permanently. Why do we know that? Because it says, it says that he was permanently recovered. Bob never, ever drank again till he died. So um, the other the other thing is we know on page 89, my life raft that I throw out when I'm my spiritual lifeguard to others is 89. It tells us in the chapter, Working with Others, first sentence, so important in caps, practical experience, they learn that from failure, shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. It works when other activities fail. This is our 12th suggestion. And why is it a suggestion? It's a suggestion like I suggest to my, all my protégés, a hundred of them, that if they walk off a cliff and want to break every bone, don't want to break every bone in their body or drown, they might want to take a life vest, you know, a parachute. And the parachute is page 89. 89 is that we get this immunity against the first, against the mental. That's what we get. We get immunity. That's what I got in five days. And if anyone takes more than 16 hours, I suggest that they may not be doing it the way the founders did it, the way that got them permanent lasting recovery for more than 50 years without relapse. So that's what I do every day to stay um, abstinent. But it also tells us that, that while it started out to be our primary motive on page 53, time please. secondary. Thank you. Thank you, Siobhan C. And we will now have Anita B. And Nessa R., if you're still available, we'll follow up with you. Anita B., please go ahead. Uh, thank you, Katie. Thanks for your service. And uh, I feel compelled to share today, uh, especially at this point of the year and what's going on in life and all of that, because for me, 
Um, it seemed to prove that one alcoholic could affect another alcoholic as no non-alcoholic could. Um, no one else in my life could understand what I have the way another compulsive overeater can, especially this time of the year. Um, and I know that I think all they really want is for me to be fixed, but they don't understand um, what what it is, what it actually is. So I'm just grateful today to be able to have so many people who I would have never, ever met be such a vital part of my life. Because at least here, I know I feel part of. Um, I can nod my head when people say the things I'm feeling. And I can call somebody and almost they could say what I'm going to say to them or I can say what they're going to say to me because we so understand each other. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, I'm just grateful today that um, I hear so many points of views and sometimes I agree but sometimes I don't but eventually God uh, helps me to think straight and keeping clean with the food also helps me to do that and so I just felt compelled to be part of today and uh, for that I pass thanks thank you Anita B and we will now have Nessa R Nessa please go ahead Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. So Dr. Bob tried spiritual means to get over his alcoholism, and he couldn't. And why couldn't he? Because he was still drunk. He was still drinking while he was practicing the six tenets of the Oxford group, which are the precursor to our 12 steps. So in essence, he was working the 12 steps while drunk, and that didn't work. Um, and I know that there's very well-meaning literature out there that says that you can and that it works. Um, but I know that it didn't work for Dr. Bob and it didn't work for me because I tried it. I tried it and I see people in the rooms who claim spiritual recovery and emotional recovery but have zero physical recovery and my heart bleeds for them um, because the fact of the matter is that, you know, the, the innovation of Dr. Silk work is not the discovery that there was something mentally wrong with us because everybody knew that there was something mentally wrong with us, including ourselves. Uh, maybe we didn't call it a mental obsession, maybe we call it weak will and you know, lack of willpower, whatever, but people knew and we knew. What he innovated was the fact that there was a physical allergy that as soon as we put an allergen into our bodies we want more and more and more and more and you know for me you know when i ate certain things the more i ate the more i wanted and the more i wanted the more i ate and so on you know until the point that i was going to explode and the fuller i got the more i wanted and that made no sense and that's the issue with with an allergic reaction it just makes no sense um and if we disregard that uh, which is the foundation of Dr. Silkworth's opinion, then we've got nothing. Um, the steps are meant to be worked in entire abstinence. Um, you know, that's 
I guess, been my experience and the experience of, you know, my sponsor and the people um, whose wisdom has been freely given me and whose program has been freely given me to enable me to recover. Um, you know, when did the six tenets of the Oxford group work for Dr. Bob? When he got sober uh, in that sequence, first get sober, then work the steps. Um, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa. We have time for one, about two and a half minute share. Who would like that? Russ Okay, so I have Russ M. I heard your voice first and the rest, um, we welcome you at our second hour. Russ, please go ahead. Katie, Russ M., Recover Composable Reader outside of Philly. You know, I love you guys. You don't know how much I love you. Know why I love you? Because when I was eight years old and my family said, yo, you're getting heavy, it didn't touch me. But when I was in high school and the, and the health teacher blasted me in front of all my friends and said, look, boy, if you don't stop eating, you're going to die by the time you're 20. Or when the doctor gave me pills, or when I was in the gym and this guy said, oh, why don't you try to take this, or the next silver bullet, or the paying ways. None of them touched me until I came in the doors. And someone said, you don't have to live this way anymore. And we have a solution. That's why I love you. And you point me to, towards God through this beautiful program. Y'all are my heroes. You're my hero. Each and every one of you are my heroes. Because you've taken me by the hand and helped me restore my life and brought me back to God. And, you know, that vital permanent recovery, I'm jonesing for that. I can taste that. And it's only because you've taught me that. And you taught me to share it with someone else and to do, to do for someone else what you did for me and what this book has done for me and what Bill, Bill did and Dr. Bob and Silky and everybody that set this up. That, that, that's why I love you. So I want you to know it. And uh, you all have a great day. Have a great day. Thank you, Russ. And would someone like a one-minute share? One minute. Anne-Marie M. All right, Anne-Marie, take us out. Okay, thank you. Uh, this is Anne-Marie M., a compulsive overeater, gratefully recovering through God's grace. And I have to just say that, um, you know, when I, the many people that have helped me have been the ones that have recovered, that have gone through this book and are following this book. And I've had many, many people help me that. And, um, you know, I noticed the difference, like, with Dr. Bob when he said to, you know, I guess he said to his wife, this this guy really knew what he was talking about, <laughs> you know, speaking about Bill. And I could tell that with the people that have worked with the, uh, have gone through the big book and have actually recovered. So, um, you know, I really stick with those people and, and very, very grateful for every single one of them. And, um take all responsibility for any time that I may have picked up. It's never the sponsor's fault. It's never anyone else's fault but my own self-will, and I and I recognize that. So um, I just wanted to pass that on, um, how grateful I am to so many of, of you that are recovered and that have helped me through this process. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Anne-Marie. And thank you to all 14 recovered people that shared today. It was great to hear you. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following our closing. 
The share ID for today, Thursday, December 20th, 2018, the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 12,322, 12,322. Um, and I will, oh my gosh, I just messed something up. I will now, okay. <laughs> We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Deb W. please read a vision for you? Deb, please go ahead. Good morning, Katie. This is Deb W. recovered in Oklahoma. Our book is meant to be suggested only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.